Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to A Word with Tom Merritt. I'm Tom Merritt. Welcome back to the parade of not telling you what to think. Uh, There's a lot of people out there telling you what to think. Some of them are worth listening to, but that's not what we do here. Uh, Here, we talk about how we all think about stuff, how we sift through all that information out there. We have a conversation and hopefully expose has some examples that are useful for you. Uh, these are the kinds of conversations I've been having all my life with my grandpa Carl in his front room, with my grandma Roxy in her front room, talking about the news of the day and the stories of their lives. I got lots of different ways of looking at the world, great conversations, and it was all leading up to this moment right now. Welcome to the front room, Josh Grisdale. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for, for doing this. Uh, it's funny how we've gotten to know each other. Um, you are a listener to some of the other shows that I do, and uh, you are also a website operator. Tell us a little bit about the website you operate first. Um, yeah, so actually I have a couple different websites. I actually have a full-time job as well. Um, uh, I do the websites uh, in my spare time. And my full-time job is actually doing website stuff. So I spend a lot of time on the web. Um, but uh, the ones that are not for my job are Accessible Japan. Um, it's a website about uh, traveling to Japan with a disability. And you may have guessed the reason I did that is because I have a disability. Um, and uh, the other one I run is called Tabby Folk. Um, a similar vein to Accessible Japan in that it's about accessible travel, um, but it's sort of more of a, a cross between maybe Twitter and Reddit for finding accessible travel information in a community setting. And uh, one of the reasons you do Accessible Japan is that you not only live in Japan, but you are a citizen, right? That is correct. Yeah. I want to have a, a website that I wish I had uh, before I first came here. <laughs> before you first came. So you people out there might be guessing that uh, I, I wanted to talk to you about accessibility, which we absolutely could do. And I'm sure it'll come up uh, a lot. But I wanted to talk to you specifically about the word immigrate, uh, because you have done something that I, I, I don't think a lot of people would have the tenacity to do, uh, which is to uproot yourself from, I believe, Canada, right? Originally? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're Toronto. Uh, and, and moved to Japan and, and not only moved to Japan. I think a lot of people, uh, talk about or even do move to Japan and, and work for a while. I have a good friend, Patrick Beja, uh, who did that previously, but, but you, you decided to make it your home. I did permanently. Um, and I became a Japanese citizen, which means, uh, because Japan doesn't have dual citizenship, I had to give up my Canadian citizenship. So, um, there's you know, no going back in the in the regular sense of the term, so I'm I'm, I'm here for good, unless I choose to immigrate somewhere a, else, maybe. Yeah, right, right. Uh, it that's a big step. That's a big commitment. So I I want to go right, you know, to to the big question of yeah. of why you decided to make such a big change. Uh, yeah, it was a it was sort of a difficult decision, but at the same time, it was sort of a you know that's sort of where everything was heading. Um, so I had come to Japan the first time back in 2000, I'd say. Um, so after I finished high school and I was, I came a couple times for vacation and I was always impressed. I had this, this vision of it not being an accessible place for people in wheelchairs like myself. Um, but mm-hmm. it was, it was better than I expected. And every time I came back, um, it was better than it was before. And there's more things I could do than I could before. And so I found that really encouraging and I got the courage. So I thought, you know, this is the place I want to live. Um, and I came here in 2007 permanently. Or, well, I, at that time, I didn't know if it was permanently, but I came to live in Japan in 2007. Um, and then, yeah, I moved to a couple of different jobs. And um, like, I'm not sure about the States or Canada, actually, because I didn't immigrate to Canada. Um, but there's a number of different like visa statuses um, that you can have in Japan. Um, you can be a visitor or you can be, uh, you know, on a work visa or a spousal visa 
Um, there's permanent residency. Um, and then on top of that, there's, um, naturalization. Um, and I felt that, you know, it was really, it's a place I really want to stay. Um, I felt more and more, um, at home here and it was something that I wanted to put down roots and, and live here. Um, but you know, if you're, you're doing that, um, again, I'm not sure about it in the States, but in Japan, the, the work visas are tied to your, your work place. So your employer. Mm-hmm. So, um, if all of a sudden I was fired from my job or my company closed down, I would lose my status as being able to live in Japan and I would have to go back to Canada no matter what. Uh, even if I want to, uh, change jobs, I would need to find an employer that would be willing to be another sponsor or would be willing to be a sponsor. Mm-hmm. And then I would have to coordinate it well that I would have a transfer of visa to my, my new, uh, indentured servanthood. Um, and so, uh, I wanted some sort of stability. So there's the choice between permanent residency and uh, naturalization. And, you know, I thought that my future was, uh, in, in Japan. And, you know, well, if you go for citizenship, you have, um, not only just the, the benefit, uh, of living in Japan, but you also have, um, uh, the rights, um, of every other citizen, uh, which means, uh, being able to participate in politics, um, and the, the rights to, to re- reside in Japan, which, of course, has been a big thing because of, uh, Corona. Um, I think a lot of people who felt that, um, you know, I have permanent residency. I can just come and go whenever I want. Um, uh, they're all of a sudden locked out of Japan when the borders closed. Um, mm-hmm. whereas Japanese citizens were uh, allowed to come back uh, whenever they want. So it's wanting to put down roots in a permanent way, uh, but also to be involved in a, in a deeper level with the community. Was it particularly difficult or just long or both? to to you become the citizen you know that what, what was the barrier like there yeah i'd always been under the impression and i've been told by people as well uh it was information that that you know it's impossible to become a japanese citizen um mm. even if you're here 100 years it'll be easier to be you know i think but it's something like you know taken up to heaven in a chariot alive uh then <laughs> to become a japanese citizen so wow. i was like well, that's, oh, that's really impossible. So I've always been under that impression. Um, but at my current workplace, um, one of my uh, co-workers, uh, she's from China originally. She had just become a Japanese citizen uh, when I entered uh, that that workplace. Um, and so she's sort of my uh, senpai. I guess you'd say it's sort of Japanese, like, uh, you know, a uh, person with more knowledge than you uh, or uh, above you. Um, and so she sort of said, oh, you know, yeah, you, can, you can apply for it. And so I started looking around. Uh, and I found a website called uh, Turning Hyphen Japanese Info, and it was by a, an American guy who had uh, become a Japanese citizen. Um, so yeah, so I was—I didn't realize it had been a possibility. Um, the process, again, I thought, oh, it's going to be impossible, and, and in particular because of my disability, I was—I was quite worried. You know, I've heard horror stories of people even trying to go from, say, Britain to Canada uh, mm-hmm. with a family member who has a disability that they would, you know, be told by immigration that. You know, having somebody with uh, medical needs like that uh, would be a burden on the healthcare system. So, you know, sorry, we can't let you immigrate. And so I had all these, you know, horror, st- or, I heard some horror stories and rumors. And, um, and I thought that, you know, even if I apply, I'm probably going to be rejected. But I just, I was encouraged by the guy that ran the site as well as my uh, co worker that, you know, just give it a try. The worst thing is going to say no. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you look at the requirements for becoming a Japanese citizen, it doesn't mention anything about health or anything like that. Uh, there are actually only five really requirements. You have to be over 18. Uh, you have to have lived in Japan for about five years continuously mm. in the, in the recent five years. Um, you have to have means to support yourself. Um, mm. you have to have, uh, no criminal record and you have to promise that you're not going to overthrow the government. And that's, those okay. are the five requirements. So, <laughs> Seems uh, reasonable. I, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't. I can't. The last one I haven't done yet, but uh, you know, I'm yeah. got my foot in the door. So I'm here. So but. right, right. So yeah, uh, th- those don't seem particularly onerous. Uh, requirements. Uh, it, it it sounds like you know the the living there five years certainly makes sure that you get used to the place and are mm-hmm. really mean that you want to be there. I, I, I get that. And I don't think that's too unusual in immigration situations to require a certain amount of residency mm-hmm. uh, bef- before actual naturalization. But did, did you find that, you know, once you had met all those criteria, it was, it was pretty, pretty simple or, or smooth or, or were there, were there bumps along the way? It was a lot like anything else in Japan when you're dealing with the government, it's just a lot of paperwork and mm-hmm. processing. 
So there was never any time I felt that it was in question as to whether I'd get it. Um, I, I, you first go to, it's actually not immigration. It's the ministry of justice you go to. Um, and, um, so I went for an interview and then you get told what kind of documents you need, um, because it sort of depends on what country you're immigrating from or immigrating, immigrating from. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, um, so the things you are required to bring in, uh, and provide. Um, are different and there's sort of a little bit of a subscreening. Uh, but, and then once they, you get all those together and you submit your package, um, uh, my friend who runs the site basically sort of said that you're pretty much like 95% guaranteed to get it at that point because they don't want to submit something that's just going to be rejected. So mm-hmm. as, if they accept your package, then you're pretty much likely to get it. So again, it depends on where you're coming from. But for example, if people from China or Korea, they have a, a family register. Uh, registrar, registrar. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, it's been a while since I spoke in English. Um, oh, and so, it's, um, so it's sort of like, uh, your, your family, uh, you know, who your family, your parents are, who your siblings are, grandparents are, and it's sort of like a, a family record. Uh, and they have that in, in China and Korea. So basically they just need a translation of that. But for someone from maybe Canada where that's not as an, an important cultural aspect, mm-hmm. you have to provide documentation on, on all of like this. So I have to provide my birth certificate, um, my parents' wedding certificate, my sister's mm. birth certificates. Uh, I think my parents' birth certificates as well. Um, but just again, so that they can, they can create that document. Um, so that took some time. We have to get professionally translated huh. as well. I can't just, yeah, it says this. <laughs> um, so yeah. there's a lot of documents, tax documents, stuff like that. That took me about, um, because I had to go to Canada to, or not go to Canada, but sort of like, uh, you know, get my parents to get documents from Canada. Sure. and get them translated. So that took about maybe three to four months. And then I submitted it and that was about maybe seven months. I think it was about a year in total that I was there, but I in process, uh, you're not allowed to leave the country without telling them. Mm-hmm. They actually do come and look at your house to make sure that you are living where you're living. So the uh-huh. guy came in, he looked around for five minutes and said, like, okay. And he talks to your neighbors apparently. So it's, it's sort of all up to their discretion, but um, yeah, so it's mm-hmm. uh, just a, bureaucracy more than anything it seems it sounds like a lot of it is the kinds of things you would expect uh that that are meant to make sure you you are who you say you are and Mm. and and all of that uh the registry thing is interesting is that because they're building a a replica of what you would have had if you had always lived in japan yeah exactly everybody in japan has a family registry yeah um and so because i don't I hadn't had it one existing, and so I need to be mm-hmm. put in the system. So that was you need to compile that basically. Um, so it meant also that I couldn't do it subtly. Um, I was, you know, mm-hmm. I was obviously a family. You know, I would have to wasn't sure how to bring it up with my family. So, uh, but at the point where I needed my family's, my mother's birth certificate and uh, wedding certificate and stuff like that, that okay, I can't really just do that by myself. So that's sort of the the opening to the, the questions about that. So. Right. And did you have to get like, you had to get certified copies of those, I, I, I expect. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But those so, would be in English or French. They wouldn't be in Japanese. So they were certified copies. Um, and then I had to get them professionally uh, translated uh, by a translation uh-huh. company. And also they had, the company had to like sign some sort of, or at least make a legal statement that these are, you know, properly translated um, and uh-huh. you stand uh-huh. by those. Um, and then that's what you submit to the the office so so like you said yeah uh because of the family registry aspect of it you you can't just you know surprise mom and dad (laughs) i'm a japanese citizen when you when you talk to them about the fact that you wanted to immigrate Mm -hmm. uh how did how did they react yeah it's kind of interesting because i'm i got different reactions from different family members um so my parents weren't against it uh, but they mm-hmm. were sad i think is the is the phrasing mm-hmm. they used but they they wanted uh you know what i wanted for my future is what was most important to them they said um i think that not getting the japanese citizenship as much as that i have to give up my canadian citizenship yeah um, right i think probably every you know parent has the you know if somebody their their son or daughter goes overseas that they'll come back eventually kind of uh feeling yeah. And I think so. This was sort of a permit, like, oh, he's, he's not coming back, kind of thing. So I think that was the challenge. My sisters mm, were a bit angrier. Um, mm-hmm. they, they've come to accept it. Uh, they actually came back in 2019 before the pandemic started. So I think that was nice for them to, to see where it is I'm living to sort of give it a, a sense of the idea. 
Yeah, I, I, I can imagine that that would give you all kinds of mixed feelings while you're going through all this trouble, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever second guess and 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 wonder if it was really worth all, all the effort and and the anger from your sisters um so, so if they hear this, uh, they're not that angry <laughs> but they, they were, uh, they, they were uh, what? what are you doing the mild kind of, irritation yeah, yeah. from yes, your yes, sisters yeah, yeah. um um yeah no i mean along the, i mean definitely it's sort of like a, a kind of situation like where you really really think about a lot of things i think about you know who you are um, mm-hmm. et cetera, and your future much more than just, you know, renewing a visa. Um, and so I think that, um, yeah, I think there's along, along the road, I was like, you know, am I really going to go with this? I wasn't sure. I, guess, I mean, I was pretty sure I was going to get it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, well, I might not, but at the same time, I guess it kept coming back to if I don't get it and I have to go back at some point, or if I sign up to get it and I go back, you know, you know, w- w- will I be happy kind of thing? And, and I think that I've put down, such roots in Japan. And I feel that, you know, this is a place I feel really comfortable and love that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that I, I would be able to be happy in the same way in Canada. Um, so I felt that that was you know, probably, that's what was probably the best move to do. If you had be- just become a permanent resident, mm-hmm. what would have been the difference? Um, the difference is that, yeah, you can't, so you, the permanent residency, you get, most of the the cake um so you can you can uh work where you want uh you can live where you want and you're not allowed to vote of course mm-hmm. um but but the thing is yeah you can you have to you still have to renew it i think every 10 years mm-hmm. it's also a process as well um i think they actually I've, i heard from somebody that they're actually stricter uh, for the permanent residency applications because it's sort of a, such a, a nice uh, a nice situation that you don't have any responsibility, but you get the benefit uh, of living in Japan. That uh, whereas you know if you're if you're going to apply for uh, naturalization, then then you're throwing all your chips in, and uh, uh, this person must really really want it. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I think the guy that ran the site always made up the, made the point that you know uh, having the permanent residency, you get permission to live in Japan, mm. but you don't have the right to live in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, and at that time, it's like, oh, you know, well, it's not like Canada and Japan are going to go to war anytime soon or anything like that. Um, but then, you know, with the, the pandemic coming up, that really, you know, yeah. was highlighted. You know, there's a lot of people that, like, you know, they, they were here in Japan on permanent residencies and they had, you know, family members pass away in their homelands and they want to go back for a funeral. But if they go back, they wouldn't be allowed back into Japan. And they mm-hmm. had no idea when it would be that they would be allowed back into Japan. So, you know, that would be giving up their job and their and stuff like that. So, yeah, for myself, you know, I want to be, again, involved. You know, I have some opportunities to be involved in Japanese government here. Um, I have no inclination to, to run for politics or anything like that, but I do find, I feel it's a very important. Never say thing. never. But. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. Then uh, you, you can have me back for a flip flopper one day when you use that word. <laughs> be, um, the, be the word there. Yeah. yeah. But but it sounds like that public participation aspect is mm-hmm. important to you, and I can see that being important to plenty of people. Yeah, it wasn't uh, when I was back in Canada. I wasn't really I sort of always voted because my parents had uh-huh. their vote. Um, but yeah. as I went, you know, I get, got older, and I felt that you know it's important to you know the well, particularly maybe as someone with a disability that you know the the policies and uh, you know the the way that um, sure you know, the, the, the government goes is, is has quite a profound effect on me probably more than other people. So I wanted to make sure that uh, I had my, you know, my, my views heard um, by the government. So. Yeah. Do, do you do advocacy for accessibility and, and disability that you might not be able to do if you weren't a, a citizen? Uh, no, I actually did. I did ask that. Um, I'm on a couple, I'm on a, uh, a couple of boards. I'm on one for, even for the, Ministry of Transportation um, on their disability appraisal community kind of thing. So they, they, they tell about the latest uh, improvements they made to accessibility around Japan and, and we have our opportunity to give comments about that. So I, I did ask, you know, if I hadn't been a Japanese citizen, would I be able to do this? And they're like, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, because part of the, I'm coming from sort of the accessible Japan point of view. So it's sort of, I'm sort of the international point of view that, that they wanted. So, um, uh, so I don't think it would uh, affect it necessarily, but it definitely. Sure. You know, it does, I think, probably help people to accept my point of view more that, you know, mm-hmm. I've 
that I've decided to become Jamis Simpson as opposed to just some sort of, you know, foreigner saying you should be like us, you know, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it gives you a little more legitimacy, I guess, even mm-hmm. even if just for your own point of view, I can see that. Mm-hmm. During the process of naturalization, when you're collecting all of these papers and getting the package before the package is accepted, uh, did you ever run into any opposition? Any anybody who felt like maybe they were dragging their heels on purpose or or didn't want you to get it? Uh, not particularly. Um, like from the government side. Yeah, yeah, from from the side. Well, actually, I hadn't even thought about any any other side. But but I, I suppose if you were running into people who were discouraging you from doing it for any reason that'd be interesting well, too my mother could have uh dragged her feet but she didn't uh, thankfully uh-huh, she could have, okay she's on the document uh control uh-huh. doc, master of documents sure. um so, i guess you're right yeah yeah so if she had a i mean i'm sure i could have like you know i think actually they do ask you know how does your family feel about you um immigrating mm-hmm. um that, that is part of it so i didn't necessarily feel that i probably like i there's a lot of like on that website there's a lot of different stories of different people's um experiences and, and some people didn't have the house inspection other people did um it, it sort of depends on i think where you're living i think who you are as well um so i think so some people uh would maybe have maybe like you know that might have been why they decided to look at me because you know maybe they had a few more questions so they decide okay well we have the opportunity to do a check so we'll do a check whereas other people like they i've heard they so look on google maps to make sure it's not you know some sort of uh office building or something like that. Um, right. But uh, because they're just busy. But um, so I think that that might've been some of it. I, it did take a bit longer than I expected because I had heard some people got it within like four months, uh, mm-hmm. whereas other people had like a year and a half. So it took me about a year. So I was a little bit worried. Um, actually, it's kind of, it's interesting. The way you find out is there's um, this thing called uh, Campo, which is sort of the government gazette. So, so I guess mm-hmm. like the national archives kind of thing that's published daily. Uh, different activities, sort of like, like a, a little newsletter from the government. Um, uh-huh. I posted it on a PDF on one of the government websites uh, every morning at 9 a.m. So I would go on and, and one of the columns is the people who have uh, naturalized. So I'd, every day I'd look for my name, look for my name, like, and, and then close it and discuss um, until the next uh-huh. day. So that's eventually how I found out. And then afterwards I got a call about it. So um did you save that PDF? <laughs> yeah. And I had it, uh, I have it, uh, it's not there now, but I did have it, um, uh, taped to the wall above my desk at uh, work. So the highlight. Nice. On my nice. Yeah. I, I would assume that, uh, living with a wheelchair, you are someone who is used to having to have a little more complexity in your life, uh, and, and having to have a little more patience. Do you think that helped you with that process of immigration? No, I'm not that patient. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually. It's probably also makes me a bit of a worry wart. So I was paranoid uh-huh. about everything. Um, so <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe appreciate Japan more. I think you know. I, I mentioned before about the yeah, people yeah. not getting because of accessibility or disability, um, and so that you know, I was I was really worried about that when I made my application. I tried to make every effort to to assure them that, no, I'm going to find, don't worry about it. Just because I have a disability doesn't mean I can't support myself and, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they didn't seem to care. <laughs> and, um, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then eventually, uh, you know, when I got it, it's like, you know, it didn't seem to be an issue at all. They didn't seem to have any questions about it. I think partly it's because it's quite compartmentalized. So like the, the people making that decision are unrelated to the people ma- making healthcare or welfare. Mm-hmm policy decisions so it doesn't really matter to them you know i'm sure you know and also at that point uh japan had signed the u.n convention on the rights of people with disabilities um so you're not allowed to make any sort of discrimination based on on disabilities i, I don't know how much effect that had but i sort of i was always holding that card you know just in case yeah it like can't a, hurt right yeah so. <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah, we've talked a lot about the process here because I think that's that's interesting uh, for people who haven't gone through it uh, to to see what it's like. But I, I want to go back to the root of this: uh, why Japan at all? Like, what what drew you to be interested in even going to Japan in the first place? Yeah, so I was from Canada. Uh, I was I was born in Toronto, is what I always say. And whenever people ask, I'm from Toronto. Uh, I lived there for four years, um, but then we moved to the middle of nowhere, uh, but outside of Toronto, but an hour away from there. Uh, I lived on a farm and 
my dad worked at IBM, so he it was sort of a hobby farm. But okay, yeah. So, but it was still in the middle of nowhere. And um, and at my high school, we actually had a Japanese class, and uh, it was run by somebody who was a farm town had a Japanese class. I'm jealous now. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was sort of a, um, the, the board of education in that area required that all high school teachers have two teachable subjects. And the guy who ran the auto mechanics class, uh, he didn't have a second teachable, but had lived in Japan for a while. So he oh, asked cool. if he asked if he could make a, a Japanese course and use that as a second teachable. So that's, that's how I, he started the class. Um, uh-huh. And he, he taught the class very much in an auto mechanics kind of way in terms of there's <laughs> no real deadlines for homework tests are sort of optional. Well, not really optional, but you do a test and then you pass it to the person next to you to mark and that's fine. Uh-huh. And every Friday was culture Friday. Um, and so we ate uh, fresh, book, fresh baked cookies from the cafeteria well, we watched uh, bootlegged uh, dramas from Japan. Um, so <laughs> so that's how I got uh, interested in Japan in the first. So the reason I took the course, I should, sorry, I should say, is that at that point, uh, it's probably about 1995, 96, I guess. And so the, the Japanese economic bubble had ended, but Japan was still quite a, a big player, mm. you know, uh, and I felt that, you know, I wanted to get into IT because uh, I like computers. And I thought, you know, it's a really competitive field. So if I have something, then get, you know, me noticed on my resume that I can speak Japanese as well, um, that that would be good. So that's why I started taking Japanese. But we had to take French as well in school, of course, and mm-hmm. I hated it. And I think that, you know, it's all the drills and all the, like, I, it sort of made me turn against uh-huh. it. I think probably if the Japanese class had been the same way, I might have only taken it once, but because of the way the teacher taught it. And he, he, he we also found out that, you know, if you could get him talking, uh, he would just sort of go on to the end of class. So we'd always come up with all these Uh questions about like, so, you know, in Japan, what's it like working in an office and stuff like that? And he'd go on for me an hour and then all class is over. But because of that, it's sort of, you know, again, sort of more opportunities to, you know, learn a bit about Japanese culture. And sometimes he had uh, some uh, Japanese, uh, like people had come from a home for a homestay. They'd stay at his house and they'd come into the class. So we'd have opportunities to, to meet real Japanese people. And so that's sort of where I, so I got interested. Um, and then at the end of high school, you know, before going to university, like my family, they always make sure that we get a good international experience. So uh, my sister, one of my sisters went to Bolivia. Uh, my uh, little sister, she went to somewhere. I can't remember where it is. She went, but, uh, <laughs> but so, like, uh, but you know, my parents want me to do that as well. So um, yeah, I wanted to go to Japan, of course. Um, so that's how I got interested in Japan in the first place. And I came back after that and went to university, I studied mathematics, but I took also a, a minor in East Asian studies. Um, and mm-hmm. so I took some more Japanese there, went back for vacations. And every time is again, like I mentioned before, it was a bit better than before. So I really, really felt that it was a place that I could uh, continue to come to and enjoy. And I felt more and more that I really wanted to live there. So that's why Japan? So I don't know if maybe they had a Korean class. I, I you know I would have been uh, in Korea <laughs> right, right if that now. That mechanic yeah. had, had worked for Samsung instead of yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something. Yeah, I, I I'm curious because it could have gone another way. You could have taken the Japanese class, been sort of interested, traveled to Japan, and been like, eh, it's okay, you know, mm. and and gone a different route. Do you have an idea of what it was that that kind of confirmed, like, oh yeah, no, I'm really. I'm, this really appeals to me because I, I would imagine it would have to be something pretty strong to lead you to eventually become a citizen like you have. Yeah, I think that probably because I had been learning some Japanese as well, I think that helped. I think if I had just gone there without any Japanese mm-hmm. at all, it would have, again, felt, you know, felt more like a vacation kind of thing. But, you know, sort of the excitement of being able to use Japanese you learn in class and have somebody understand you and then just sort of get better at it each time. And I think, you know, for me, like I, I quite enjoy, you know, the cultural like the history and the, the culture and it's sort of, it's always learning. I'm always learning something new, even, even now. Um, so mm-hmm. I think I, 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 it's really, I don't, it's really hard to put into words exactly what it was is one, there wasn't necessarily one aha moment or anything like that, but it was just mm-hmm. sort of like every time I came, I actually, you know, I think every time I came, I get excited. And every time I got on the train to go to Narita airport, I got really, really sad. Uh huh. And it was sort of, you know, the train leaves because Narita Airport is out in Chiba, which is, you know, it's about an hour and a bit out of Tokyo. And so you get on the train, it's in, you're in the middle of the city and gradually the houses get more suburban. And then it's all of a sudden 
you know, you see these like uh, rice fields and, and forestry areas, areas, and then all of a sudden it's an airport. And it sort of, I always felt, you know, as, as the houses went away and we got to the rice fields, it got sort of more and more heavy in the heart kind of thing. And um, mm. so I felt that, I, that that's probably, you know, something like that. So. I, I want to talk a little bit about – we've talked a lot about your immigration mm. experience, um, but I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about immigration in general and your perspective on it because when people in the United States hear the word immigration, they immediately think politics and the southern border and illegal uh, mm. immigration and, and things like that. Uh, what does the word mean to you when you think of it since you are an immigrant – uh, mm-hmm. And someone who chose to do it, you were you weren't, you know, fleeing uh, oppression or, or anything like that. What what do you think of when you hear immigrate? Yeah, I think my, my family has a number of people who are have immigrate who immigrate to Canada. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so both my grandparents and my mother's side uh, were immigrants. My dad's side were a lot longer in Canada, but obviously you know immigrated at some point. My older sister, uh, her husband, uh, is an immigrant to Canada. From uh, Ghana, and the only person in our family that uh, is not an immigrant is my younger sister's husband, who is uh, uh, Algonquin. Um, so uh, he's uh, yeah, First Nations. So he, he's the only one that can mm-hmm. say, "Hey, get out here, you immigrants!" Um, His family but, immigrated much longer ago than the rest of us. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah so, so getting across the Bering Strait, but um, <laughs> right. yeah. So um, yeah, so it's 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 not something that's foreign to my my family i think and um to, to me i think like you mentioned the politics thing i think it, uh, particularly in america um a little bit as well as in canada there seems to be sort of like a really split in terms of the, the way of thinking of immigrant or immigration you know there's some people it's sort of like you know they mentioned before you know the illegal or uh you know taking jobs or, or changing mm-hmm. what we've always been like kind of thing but on the other side there's other people who are like you know who had a dream to come and, you know, they saved up and they worked hard and they, you know, they came over and then they built it, picked themselves up from the bootstraps and they made something from that's the American dream, you know, and the statue of Liberty and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I think it's a really uh, loaded word uh, for sure for, for myself as well. I think I probably had a lot of, you know, that, that was my main impression. So sometimes I have to remind myself, yeah, I'm an immigrant. And so, cause it doesn't really fit with the image that I've seen, you know, my whole life, um, Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I guess it's it's like you know I was looking it up as well because you know this is the word and how you know it just sort of like it's, not, it's, it's somewhat of a, a relatively new word apparently but you know it's something that's been happening since all of uh, you know time and people moving around um, and I think it's about you know putting down roots I think is the is in a place that's not where you are from and that could be even I think you know, obviously the word now means like crossing borders but I think mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know even just you know, like, like yourself, you've moved across the States and you've, you know, you've immigrated to Los Angeles. Um, so yeah, in, right. in a way, right. You know, you've set down roots in a place. It was really easy though. That, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I get it. Probably a lot less uh, paperwork, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that in, in some ways, yeah, it feels, I, I it's weird to say it because I'm talking about myself, but, you know, explore or, mm. or courage or, or like, uh, you know, having a dream or something like that is, is sort of my, my feeling of it, um, you know, looking for a future in a different place, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or not necessarily starting over, although it could also be that, but mm. new starts, new horizons, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my, my impression in a good way. Yeah. So, I mean, like my, yeah. my grandparents, they, they both came over. Like my, my, my mom's dad, she, he fled Bulgaria. Because uh, they were, you know, it's during uh, the Balkan, some mm-hmm. Balkan wars. I'm um, some Balkan wars. I'm sure there's frequently Balkan <laughs> there, wars. There have been many. Yeah. yeah um, so they, 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 that's why he came over. But um, you know, my my grandma she came over for better uh, economic opportunities for for their family. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, it's like that was sort of like you know different sides of that. And uh, my brother in law as well as they they came over, uh, brought their skills over and went to to work in Canada for their children. So so I mean, I think it's a very uh, you know, just sort of uh, looking forward to the future uh, and what's best for yourself and your family. And that's sort of my vision, I think. Yeah. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I, I feel like a lot of the attitudes around immigration are, are rooted in our history as a species in creating our communities uh, and and people who are listening to these episodes probably noticed I tend to to try to understand things by evolutionary advantage like why did humans develop this what was the what was the thing that made us develop this and Having an identifiable community is important, uh, so that you know who you can trust without having to, you know, go through the negotiation of, of figuring it out every time, right? Oh, mm-hmm. they're in my community. So, you know, I can take a shortcut, uh, and trust them. And immigration, I think a lot of the attitudes are, how do we, make sure that this person that we're bringing into our community from the outside fits uh, mm-hmm. and is trustworthy and will contribute and won't be a burden, like you were saying, uh, on the on the community. Uh, does does that jive with, with how you think about it, too? Yeah, I think, I mean, well, looking way, way back in history, we, we you migrate uh, for better opportunities for more food or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. following a certain animal or something like that. Um, but then, yeah, I think I think there's probably a lot more immigration and migration that we that we recognize in the ancient world and uh, throughout history. It's more probably recently with you know more solidified you know borders and nation states that it's become more of a, a topic. I'm sure there's lots of people that you know would just you know they'd be maybe an outsider for a while, but they'd eventually be welcomed into communities. But um, yeah, that, I would say that sounds fairly similar to my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, there's there's more people now, right? It was yeah. it was one thing when you could just wander, you know, miles and miles and miles hunting and and gathering and and not run into anybody else. Yeah. You could, you know, you could immigrate quite easily. Do you feel Japanese culturally yet? Okay, that's an excellent question. Um, so that's also been a journey for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, so I go back to my family again. My my Bulgarian grandfather, he wanted to be Canadian. And so he, he got mad at my mom when she tried to learn some Bulgarian words. And he said, no, we're Canadian. Mm-hmm. And then she called her uncle by his Bulgarian name. And he's like, nope, that's Uncle Ben. You call him Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I think, maybe, I don't know if it's a generational thing or if it's a because of it's a common story from. I've heard in yeah. different immigrant situations where where the family is like, no, we're starting over, and you we we want to assimilate, you know. Mm-hmm. So you, we we speaking the whatever the language is wherever they yeah. go. I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. So I think, but Japan is quite a bit different than I think you know Canada or the U.S. or other parts of Europe as well. Whereas immigration, well, it's not like not as uncommon as I I previously believed. Um, it's still not that common. Um, a lot of people who do Im- uh, immigrate here are from other parts of Asia. Um, so they're not as many people from Europe or uh, North mm-hmm. America coming here. Um, so it's a bit, that's why it's probably uh, having a vision of being rare. But I think to, to become Japanese, I think at, at first, I think a lot of people living in Japan long term uh, at first feel really uh, like a honeymoon phase where they like, they really, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a like Japanese, I got Japanese friends, I eat Japanese food, and I can speak Jap- some Japanese. And and then I think they hit a wall at some point where it's like, there's something they can't cross over and be mm-hmm. like the other Japanese, or like other people who are, who are Japanese and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's always, even sometimes I get it quite frequently, uh, you know, like it's like, you know, I've lived here for 15 years now. I've been Japanese citizen for six years. I've had friends I've known here the whole 15 years and they still commonly ask, you know, what about in Canada? And it's like, that's the only thing about me that they can see is that I'm not Japanese. Mm-hmm. So at, at first that, you know, that, that's still something like my laugh about now, but, but, you know, it does sometimes, you know, bother me that there's still something that's like, you know, I, I will never be able to overcome. But at the same time, I think I, I read something somewhere and it's sort of like, dawned on me that um well, one of the unique things about japan is that um it, it's both a country and an ethnicity 
mm-hmm. which I think is something a little bit different than, you know, the States or Canada where it's a country first and there's no real one ethnicity that you could say right. that this is your, you have American genes or something like that. You can't say that. So whereas like I'm a Japanese citizen, but I will never be ethnically Japanese. Sure. And so I can learn a lot about culture uh, and do my best, but there's still something that, you know, I will never have because I moved here when I was 26. I, I don't know in the education system that, you know, this word means this particular mm-hmm. thing in a classroom drill or something like that, because I never experienced it. So there's the lack of experience on one part. There's lack of like, you know, a lot of cultural uh, knowledge that I, I don't have that at first it did bug me, but at the same time, it's like, you know, well, I need to accept who I am as, as part of my story that I, I am somebody who was born in a different country. I had different upbringing. I spoke a different language. Um, I, I decided to uh, immigrate uh, into Japan and make this my new home. I learned a new language and picking up new things. Um, so I'm, you know, a Japanese citizen, but I, uh, I, so I usually introduce myself as, you know, I'll, I'll say that, you know, I'm a Japanese citizen or I have Japanese citizenship or, um, born in a foreign country and I'm a Japanese mm-hmm. citizen. Um, so I think that really helped me come to terms with, you know, my identity. Um, and otherwise I think I probably would have been struggling with, you know, no matter how much I learn, no, how much I, put effort i put into things i will never be japanese enough um so i think that mm-hmm. sort of really helped along my journey i i mean it says to me based on what i know from from my wife's uh father my father-in-law is is a, a first generation immigrant uh from the philippines you're a first generation immigrant <laughs> To Japan, yeah. right? And and the first generation means they speak with an accent, they mm-hmm. probably grew up speaking a different language and had different experiences growing up because mm-hmm. they grew up in a different country. And that, that all applies to you. Mm-hmm. You did you didn't grow up in the Japanese educational system, you know, et cetera. But, you know, were you to have children, uh, they would. And then they would be more part of the culture, uh, more part of that because they would be second generation. Yeah. And they'd be asking me for help for homework and I wouldn't be able to, to write the character that they want me to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a real problem. Yeah. Your, your, your first generation, that's nothing unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that happens a lot. It just, it sounds like it doesn't happen as much in Japan, maybe. Not as much and maybe not as much from, Western country or different countries, you know, so uh-huh. Western countries. That's so. true. I, I, there was, what was the TV show that, that Apple did about the Korean immigrants in Japan? Uh, um, Pachinko? Pachinko. Yeah. Uh, it, it, if anybody wants to, to see that part of immigration, it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did show that you could pass as Japanese sometimes mm-hmm. if you're a, an immigrant from, from other Asian cultures, not all the time. There are definitely mm-hmm. differences, but you could, in some situations, uh, people might not notice. Whereas I, I you know, I, I know this is an audio mm-hmm. podcast, but you could probably yeah. guess that Josh is not going to be mistaken at first glance as, as being from Japan. And my camera is also making me extra white right now. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, if you could see his camera, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> would I emphasize it. Right. Um, but but yeah, are there immigrant communities that that you know of or participate in? Yeah, uh, not that I participate in necessarily. Um, though that is actually something that's a bit interesting as well. Um, I live in uh, the uh, east side of Tokyo, um, and mm. the the ward that I live on live in has the highest level of uh, immigrants in Tokyo. And in particular, I think it's about forty percent Chinese, um, but we also have a very very large uh, Indian population. So in some areas you go to, um, well, actually one of our, like, uh, city council people, persons was, uh, was also a Japanese nationalized citizen, but was from India originally. And so that was sort of, uh, we do have a few people in politics that are, you know, not naturally, uh, born Japanese people, but, um, uh, I don't think we have the same rule that, uh, they have in the States about the, the president must be American born. So in theory, I could probably become the leader of Japan. Theory, no kidding. Yeah, so, but I don't, I don't know if that would ever happen. But, um, but <laughs> I'd uh, say you have my vote, but I can't yeah, vote. So, yeah. <laughs> but there, but there are communities. I uh, there's a, some Korean communities uh, in in uh, Western Tokyo where it's like uh, people, especially like right now, it's quite a boom for you know BTS and stuff like that. So people will go there to buy you know uh, Korean candies and stuff like that, or, or makeup and stuff like that. So, so there are some. I think that it also depends on 
you're back. Like I, for a long time, I think it's kind of funny because like uh, my friend and I came to Japan a long time ago. He was a backpacker and he said that, you know, whenever he was backpacking across South America or uh, Central America, you'd come across another backpacker and then all of a sudden you'd be, be friends. Uh, like you go backpack together and stuff like that. Let's go, you know, just go for a little bit together. Whereas he said that like, why is it that all the, you know, foreign people in Japan are so cold? Um, and you know, you see each other on the train, but you don't acknowledge each other. And, hmm. um, and so, you know, I think that's something some people try really hard to, uh, you know, to not be part of foreign communities as well. So that's part of, you know, everybody's journey. And I, I think at first, I was like that, but lately I've made, you know, some friends who are long-term residents of Japan that are, uh, from Australia and, uh, actually somebody from Bulgaria as well. So that was kind of a, oh, wow. uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, and I think it's, yeah, it's important to, you know, just be, to open to all those things. And, and I guess everybody's on a different journey and it takes time to, to get where you're, yeah. where you're going. So. I, I wonder sometimes if we're at, uh, an early part of a stage in, in human history, where we still see the old boundaries that were caused by by the difficulty of travel mm. uh but they are starting to erode and uh, as you mentioned you know the fact there there isn't a canadian ethnicity mm-hmm. uh there's not a Can- there's not a us ethnicity uh is new it's unusual you you don't see that as often um and and it's problematic in many ways because it's it's a result of of colonization and conquering uh, versus you know natural like slow the the more slow motion mm. uh, immigration that that we saw in the past uh, or you know conquering that happened so long ago that, like the Norman conquest that, yeah. that everybody forgets about it right uh, but. You are starting to see, I, I, I see it most in the UK, probably because I pay more attention to the UK. I'm sure it's happening elsewhere where you see that it, it is becoming multicultural. It is not, you know, people whose families have lived in England or Scotland, you know, for centuries all, all mm-hmm. the time. Um, I feel like Japan isn't as far down that road, right? If the U.S. and Canada are at one end and the U.K. is maybe in the middle, do you think Japan is is farther back, close, moving that way in stasis? I don't know. It's definitely further back, um, I, whether it – and it, it is changing. I think that – like I think, you know, the, the, the loaded word of immigrant, I think that, you know, there's usually two big issues that people bring up in, when they're against immigration – uh, you know, somebody will say something like, you know, s- stealing our jobs or something like that is mm-hmm. one common issue. The other was, is changing the fabric of our society or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's much more the concern here in Japan. Um, I think that there's a lot of, we have a huge aging population, so we don't have enough people to do the jobs. Um, and it's sort of been traditional that, you know, yeah, as people uh, get old, they're just dropping out of the workforce. Right? Yeah, exactly. And we, uh, before there was a, th- the three K's, I don't know if I remember it now. Uh, Kitsui, kusai. I can't remember what it is, the other ones, but like, you know, stinky, hard to do and something other jobs that that's what the ones that the foreigners would have to do kind of thing. Uh-huh. And, um, and, um, so that, that was, it was really not like, you know, they're taking our jobs, um, as much as, you know, just like, uh, concern over what will happen to Japan, you know, uh, our, our, is our culture going to be forgotten? Is it going to change? Um, mm-hmm. I, I've been, I have one person in my workplace who's a bit older who uh, is a little bit vocal on those kind of areas. Um, who it was upset because on the bus routes lately, they've been using English as well. Um, and, oh, or, oh. or things like, um, you know, why do we need to put English on the bus routes or something like that? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, the, or the way foreign guidebooks, et cetera, say maybe, uh, Sensoji temple. Uh, where G means temple. So sort of like Senso temple, temple. Um, uh-huh, and, yeah. and so it's the ATM like, machine of temples. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, so there, that's the more common conversation in Japan. So I think that makes it's, it's something that's definitely going, growing pains here in Japan. Now I think it's, it's just inevitable that, you know, as I mentioned before, it's just so much easier to, to, to move around. And even if people don't become Japanese citizens, there are a lot of people who come here. They get married mm-hmm. and they have children who are of, uh, you know, both, um, you know, backgrounds. Um, they're called, I don't like the word, but half, sort of half, uh, here in Japan. So it, again, mm-hmm. sort of, not, yeah. it's sort of the, the way I'm thinking is like, you're half Japanese, you know, you're not fully Japanese. Whereas, and some of these people have spent their, their life 
in Japan. They only speak to, like, sometimes a joke. There's some comedians that are, uh, you know, um, you know, they're mixed ethnicities and, and they tend to look, and some of the people who don't look Japanese at all, they will get, you know, well, can you help me with English and stuff like that? It's like, I don't, he's like, I don't speak English at all. You know, like that. so, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I never learned English at all. And, um, so, I mean, it's definitely something I think that Japan is dealing with right now, but, um, we're on a big, uh, SDGs, uh, bitch right now. So everybody's is, is being more conscious about that and diversity and inclusion. It's something that's come to Japan now and people are talking about it. Oh, okay. still, oh that's interesting. Yeah. yeah we, we have a, um, you know, a lot more conversations about that now. So, I mean, it's definitely, even the 15 years I've lived here, it's changed quite a bit in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it until we were, we were talking, but I wonder if just the acceleration of change, mm-hmm. both by increased transportation and a movement of information uh, faster than, than ever before, if that has increased resistance to immigration uh, where where it where there is resistance to it, if it's increased it because of that, because instead of a slow like oh one or two people show up and and we easily can bring them into our culture and learn from theirs, uh, mm. it, it starts to feel overwhelming because because it's happening so fast. Yeah, it's like that uh, that uh, goo that you make in elementary school where it's like you know if you put your finger in slowly, it doesn't. It's like the corn starts in uh-huh. water, whatever it doesn't move, but if you try to move quickly it's, it turns into a block it might be something like that i think too um, yeah, but, i mean yeah. people are, are a lot more open to, to foreigners than they even before like you know sometimes uh you know people would just be like i don't know i don't want to speak english i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry but now more people are much more you know used to the foreigners being here in japan uh because of the tourism and stuff so before we finish up uh i like to play a little word game with folks uh, are you game sure sounds good uh it's called this or that uh, I will give you two things, and you tell me uh, which you would choose and why. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll start with Ichiran or Ipudo. Uh, I, I'm i not a connoisseur of ramen. Uh, I just usually go to the place. I, I was worried me. about that, but that's an acceptable answer, which it's, is yeah. neither. I don't eat that ramen that much. Yeah, I... I, I I, after I got over forty, yeah, it doesn't sit as well with me. I'm not that young anymore. Uh, but if I if I have ramen, it's usually the the places is near me. So, okay, yeah, the yeah. local shop. That, yeah, exactly. uh, but it's good. The one that's in front. Right. Of me. <laughs> Faster, slow zombies. I thought a lot about this as I've been listening to the past podcasts. Uh, okay, I have a bittersweet relationship with slow zombies, um, and that is. Uh, because my father, he'd always go to Walmart and he'd pick up these like uh, 80 cent videos um, of like these old, probably like, you know, movies that had gone into uh, uh, public commons and, and they were taped on these, uh, you know, extra long plays. So they're horrible, horrible uh-huh. quality. And one of the ones <laughs> he picked up was Night of the Living Dead. So that was the first time I watched it. So that was my first, uh, I think that's even before the Fast Zombies came out. So that was my first, uh, uh, experience with zombies. I remember being so infuriated with him for buying that movie because at the end, uh, the main guy got shot by, uh, some other people who were killing zombies and maybe some of that. but I've always, yeah, had more of an interest in slow zombies. So the fast ones, I you have your roots in slow zombies. I have my yeah. roots in slow um, zombies. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, iOS or Android? I use iOS. I have an Android phone in front of me that is not charged. Uh, which tells you how often mm-hmm. I use it. Um, it doesn't yeah, have a SIM I think card. That answers well, the yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you like both, or or are you partisan? Where you like really do prefer iOS? Actually, it's funny because I, I started. Yeah, I got. I used to hate. And my dad worked for IBM, so Apple was our um, mm-hmm. yeah. competitive thing. So, um, and then my one of my friends got an iPod, and we you listened to that, and that's fine, whatever. And then and then he got an iPod Touch. So that's sort of my first experience into like sort of that that OS kind of thing, and I ended up getting my first smartphone was being was a uh, an iPhone because of that because I thought oh it's actually not that bad, um, and then because of that I've been drawn into the whole Mac world, um, and I'd you know sometimes help people with their phones and they would be Android and it would frustrate me to no end because the old Android ones were so slow and clunky and every single one was different. Especially the early ones, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the scrolling, it would g- 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 you know, so uh, that was sort of always a bad impression, but I have a Google Pixel now and I've been quite impressed with how it's, it's changed and um, so I, I might switch, but I'm 
pretty much in the Mac realm now. I like so, that you are still, you know, dabbling just to see where it's at with the well, Pixel. That's good. Well, part of the one reason is that um, uh, because of, for Tappy Folk, I'm going to be releasing an app soon. So need to, ah, uh-huh. I need to check to make sure it works on Android as well. Yeah. So, so that was Absolutely. my excuse. Uh, another Japanese one, Shibuya Crossing or Shibuya Sky? Sky. I'd rather look down on things than, uh, yeah. than be part of the jungle. you could look at the crossing exactly. from up there. I'm glad I'm not there. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. Although some bit, I, I kind of feel the same way about Shibuya Crossing. If anybody doesn't know, it's the, mm-hmm. the one you always see where there's like masses yeah. of people all, mm-hmm. all crossing at once. Yeah, I know a lot of people who like really love that uh, crossing. I, I prefer to look at it than be in it myself. Uh, although I, Shibuya Sky was the one place I got in trouble in Japan because I was wearing a hat. Oh, it was gonna, where it was going to blow off? Is that? Yeah, there were yeah. R- there were rules about not having a hat. And when I jokingly was like, but it's cold, the lady looked at me like, that's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I took it off. Like, okay, I, I, okay. I didn't cause trouble. Yeah. It's nice up there, though. Uh, savory or dessert crepes? Uh, I would. I don't have a sweet tooth, so I go for savory by default. Though the only savory crepe I had, I actually didn't really like that much. But so neither. <laughs> neither is an acceptable yeah. answer. I am surprised how many people I've talked to, and I, I've kept this one around. I think partially because I started to notice this. D- say they don't have a sweet tooth. Like you, I think the assumption that I would make is like, well, most people like sweet things, but I'm finding that not to be true. At least the yeah. people I'm talking to for the show. The one exception I have is for ice cream. And there is a Japanese ice cream that isn't a crepe that I like because it's cold. I probably wouldn't like one of those ones, which is cream and chocolate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I saw a savory one once that had a hot dog in it. I tried it, but the crepe was still sweet and it was horrible. So yeah, no, no crepes. Oh, for yeah. Me. That's a little odd. Um, all right. The Oroville or Star Trek Lower Decks? Oh, Tom. Uh, <laughs> uh, both. Um, <laughs> both. I, I, you can go both. You can go okay. both if you don't want to pick. I, I've only watched the first season of uh, Lower Decks, uh, and I quite enjoy it. Um, but I've watched all of the episodes of Oroville that have come out, and it's really, really grown on me. And uh, I hope it keeps coming back. It's almost an unfair comparison because while the Orville was originally billed as as comedy, mm-hmm. it really isn't. It's just a science fiction show with some jokes sometimes. Yeah, no, the, the first season was a lot more jokey. And actually, yeah, I, yeah. You, you probably saw my Twitter profile. That's why I have Boris with a mustache on the on top of that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, the latest season was very few jokes in it, but it was just really, you know, really got back to the, you know, uh, next generation kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. That I really like. Yeah. Dogs or cats? I am a dog person that owns a cat. Um, oh, wow. And uh, I, I quite like dogs, but uh, in my small apartment, I didn't really feel it'd be very fair to have a, a dog that, you know, wants to go run around. Um, and I'm at work most of the time. And then, and then if I do come around, yeah, I, yeah. I can't actually do it by myself. So, um, yeah, the cat is a, is a more adaptable animal in that terms. But you're okay with both, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, my, my cat's grown on me quite a bit, so. Good. Uh, Haneda or Narita Airport? Uh, Haneda, for sure. I, I, yeah. The trauma of <laughs> Narita going out through those, uh, the rice fields, I can't forget it. But, <laughs> yeah, um, especially after that story. So so once they did actually have a uh, – for a while, uh, going to Toronto, you need to use Narita. But, um, but lately, Haneda, they also have um, – a, a plane going to in Toronto now. So I, I, unless I absolutely have to use Narita, I never do. I, I've only been to Japan twice and one time was Narita the first time. The second mm. time was Haneda. And, uh, I agree with you <laughs> just after those side by side comparison. Uh, it, it's, it's much nicer. Mm-hmm. Uh, hot or cold? Uh, hot. Uh, I, that's changed as well. Uh, when I was, in Canada, I remember in high school, I'd go out in minus 10 degrees weather in a t-shirt and laugh it off. But now I'd much rather be in a hot weather uh, than yeah. cold. So. And that's not 
It's not because Japan is particularly hot, although it gets hot in the summer, but it gets cold mm. there in the winter as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 yeah. It's just as, as we age, <laughs> yeah, the cold gets uh, less, uh, less appealing, I suppose. Mm, for sure. Uh, well, Josh, thank you so much uh, for for opening up and talking about uh, all of this uh, with me. I really, really appreciate it, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And if folks want to find out more about what you do, including Accessible Japan, uh, the other enterprises that you're involved in, where should they go? Yeah, it's, um, I'm most active on Twitter. Um, I'm at Josh Grisdale, J-O-S-H-G-R-I-S-D-A-L-E. Um, I have a emoji and a picture of Bordis uh, on the top of my profile, so it should be easy to find. Um, and then, yeah, Accessible Japan and uh, Tappy Folk, you can find them on Twitter and Facebook as well, or just by searching in Google. And uh, Tappy Folk's all one word. Accessible yes. Japan has a hyphen, though, right? That's correct, yes. And Tappy Folk, it, yeah. I mean, Tappy is journey and folk is more folk, so it's people on a journey is where the name came from. Fantastic. Uh, well, thank you again, Josh. Really appreciate it, man. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks to our producers, Jen Cutter and Anthony Lemos, and thank you for listening to this show and telling your friends about it. You can get an ad-free version of this show with ACAST+. Plus. Click on Access Exclusive Content at awordpodcast.com. We'll have a word with you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.